Good evening everyone, welcome back to the Salem Witch Trials. If you hear something in the background that is very similar to a beast snorting, it is my American Bulldog Dougal snoring. So, you know, the Salem Witch Trials. Colonists faced more bad economic news. As Andros began to enforce navigation acts, in order to pull Massachusetts into the evolving imperial system. Bay colony sailors and merchants had conveniently ignored the acts since their establishment in the 1650s and 1660s, but Andros's henchman, Edward Randolph, a royal customs officer, began seizing ships that were in violation of the laws and established a maritime court to try the defenders. This enforcement damaged New England's Atlantic trade, slowing the economy and increasing opposition to Andros, particularly among the powerful merchant class. Even Randolph noted the strain. In 1689 he wrote, This country is poor. The exact executions of the acts of trade have much impoverished them. There were other contributing factors to the depression that had hit Massachusetts. The New England fishing industry faced setbacks, as it was now prohibited from fishing off French-held Nova Scotia, and it suffered from a shortage of salt and cod it did catch. Meanwhile, New England lumber exports dropped due to factors beyond local control. A severe drought in the West Indies had damaged the sugar crop and left planters with less molasses and silver with which to purchase wood. Even the climate seemed to be part of the conspiracy against New England. The 1680s and 1690s were part of Monde Minimum, the most extreme weather of the Little Ice Age, a period of colder temperatures occurring roughly from 1400s to 1800s. It doesn't say whether it's degreed or Celsius, so I don't know. Hmm. Strikingly cold winters and dry summers were common in these decades. Ah, it's the decades, okay. The result was not just personal discomfort, but increasing crop failures. Starting in the 1680s, Many towns that had once produced an agricultural surplus no longer did so. Mixed farming began to give way to pastures and orchards. Once Massachusetts had exported foodstuff, by the 1690s it was an importer of corn, wheat and other cereal crops. Several scholars have noted the high correlation between Eras of extreme weather earlier in the Little Ice Age and outbreaks of witchcraft in Europe. Salem continues this pattern. On top of the economic difficulty and political and spiritual crisis the Bay Colony was facing, there was a looming military calamity. As a career army officer, Colonel Andros recognised the substantial threat poised by the Native Americans of northern New England and their French allies. When war broke out in Maine with the Wabanaki in the summer of the 1688, Andros was ready. 
He led soldiers to Maine and restored a tenuous peace, backed up by the establishment of a string of forts and garrison houses, manned by more than 700 soldiers. Meanwhile, two royal ships and two provincial ships patrolled the northern coast. Many colonists complained that Andros's actions were excessive. Massachusetts men had to staff the main defences, and doing so drained the colony's treasury. Traditionally, the men had served in town-based militia units under local officers. Andros's recognition of the military meant these military men now served under Andros's officers, regulars in the king's army. These officers considered their soldiers to be undisciplined and ill-mannered, while the militia men saw their commanders as overly strict and cruel. As it turned out, the situation on the frontier helped precipitate Andros's downfall. Some conspiracy-minded colonies thought that the royal governor had actually launched his military expedition to gain the French and natives as allies so that he could quell Puritan New England. Traditional Puritan paranoia toward Catholics fueled this fear, which, combined with a long list of grievances against Andros and his henchmen, when word reached Massachusetts that William and Mary had invaded England, that was signal enough. So desperate was the situation that people did not even wait to hear whether the glorious revolution was successful. The Dominion was overthrown by the uprising in Boston on April the 18th, 1689, in which hundreds of armed men seized Andros, Randolph, and their associates and threw them into prison. Andros would eventually be allowed to return to England. To fill the void in government, the Venerable Governor Bradstreet and his old charter government resumed authority as a provisional government, complete with new elections to the General Court. While the 1629 charter had been temporarily restored, everything else began to unravel. Now trouble truly began on the frontier. Most of Andros's officers were arrested, and the Maltese men quickly abandoned their posts and came home, leaving the main frontier almost defenceless. The Wabanaki took immediate immediate advantage, renewing their attacks in the summer of sixteen eighty nine with devastating effect. For example, at Pemaquid. The northeasternmost English settlement, Lieutenant James Weems commanded 200 men at Fort James. When word of Andros's overthrow reached the area, local residents took Weems and its officers into custody. After due consideration, the local council of safety reinstated Weems. However, by then most of the garrison had abandoned their posts and returned to Massachusetts. Weems was left with just 30 men, and these troops seemed reluctant to accept his authority. Considering him more an advisor than a commander, the troops often did as they pleased. 
To make matters worse, the provisional government failed to support the fort. Weems lacked proper supplies and had to pay the troops out of his own pocket. Not surprisingly, the town and the fort easily fell to the Wabanaki War Party. By the end of 1689, all English settlements north of Falmouth had been abandoned. More than 300 residents had been killed or taken captive, and property homes were estimated at 40,000. That's an immense sum back then. The widespread problems faced by the colony increasingly came to be viewed through the lens of the Jeremiads and ministers continued to preach. Massachusetts' sufferings were a challenge from an unhappy God. Only a colony-wide effort at moral reformation could improve matters. So on March 13, 1690, the General Court issued a public order for universal reformation that this poor land has laboured under a long series of afflictions and calamities whereby we have suffered successively in our precious and pleasant things and have seen the anger of righteous God against us that a corruption of manners attended with inexcusable degeneracies and spotticies found in too many among this people is the cause of that controversy which the God of our fathers has for many years been maintaining with us. The situation arriving to such an extremity that an axe is to be laid to the roots of the trees and we are in imminent danger of perishing if a speedy reformation of our provoking evils prevent it not. They gave a very solemn admonition to the public to give demonstrations of thorough repentance. They complained that the laws of the colony against vice and all sorts of debauchery and profanity too much lost their edge by the late interruption of the government and they ordered that officials now vigorously enforce them particularly the laws against blasphemy, cursing, profane swearing, lying, unlawful gaming, Sabbath-breaking, idleness, drunkenness, uncleanliness, and all the enticement and nurseries of such impieties. The General Court had the order published and posted, and it instructed ministers to read it at Sunday meeting. Nine assistants attended the session and approved the order, and a majority would serve as judges of the Court of Oyer and Terminer in 1692. John Richards, Samuel Sewell, Jonathan Corwin, Waite Winthrop, John Hathorne. Presumably many ministers were encouraged by the General Court's instructions to continue to preach Jeremiah's. The campaign for moral reformation did nothing to stop the Wabanaki, however, who continued to press their advantage in the spring of 1690. On May 20th, Fort Loyal in Falmouth fell, with more than 200 dead or captured, many of them killed after the fort surrendered. The French had guaranteed safe passage of the garrisons to the English settlements in the south, but they could not contain their native allies, who fell upon the English after they surrendered. 
almost a hundred miles of coastline had been abandoned since the overthrow of Andros. The once prosperous main settlements were reduced to smouldering ruin, and only three towns north of Piskeskew, Wells, York and Kittery remained in English hands. Close to 400 refugees fled to Essex County, while others headed to Boston. The colony's already shaky finances were further strained by the mounting war costs. Massachusetts tried to seize the initiative by launching two expeditions against the French. The week before the Fort Loyal fell, a small naval expedition led by Sir William Phipps took Port Royal in Arcadia. The ease of the victory and the profits from plundering the settlement soon convinced the provisional government to take bolder steps. Despite warnings from some, Thomas Newton, the future prosecuting attorney at the time of the witch trials, complained that we have suffered great loss by far of Casco than we have gained at Port Royal. In August, Sir William Phipps led a flotilla of 34 vessels carrying 2,300 New England troops to attack Quebec. The expedition worked in concert with the New York and Connecticut militia under Wade Winthrop's brother, Peter John. They would march north through New York, thus drawing Governor Frontenac out of Quebec to defend Montreal. However, the thrust against Montreal quickly dissolved and the expedition against Quebec was a complete disaster. Adverse weather meant the fleet took two months to reach Quebec, completely losing any, any element of surprise. Frontenac was safely ensconced in the well-fortified city, with more men than Phipps. After some brief skirmishing and largely fruitless naval bombardment of the city, the expedition headed home. The return voyage would prove disastrous. Food ran low, and the unexpected length of the expedition strained ships that had been poorly supplied from the start. A major smallpox epidemic ravaged the fleet, and stormy seas led to the loss of four ships, probably close in 400 perished on the expedition, while the survivors managed to spread smallpox throughout the colony, causing many more deaths. The huge financial losses from the expedition would seriously hinder the colony's efforts to wage a war that would last until 1697. The government called for a massive increase in taxes, but it was not enough to cover the huge debt incurred from the failed expedition. In December 1690, Massachusetts was forced to issue paper currency to pay its creditors, principally the unpaid soldiers of Canada expedition. There was little in the way of specie to back up the paper, however, and inflation soon overwhelmed the colony. And that's the next part of the Salem witch trials. So, as you can see, we are watching the colony, well, fall apart, I guess. I mean, 
it's had more than its treacherous times and unfortunately the problem with that is it's usually how we end up coming to witch trials and again let's note the fact that they are against Catholics and Catholicism and I'd like to mention again that most witches were condemned but they were Catholics you know they were in with Catholicism and why they ended up condemned was usually because other people just for whatever reason land money what I don't know whatever you want to call it would argue with them and call them witches and start a, a huge thing about it you know and bring in spectral evidence which could never be proven neither here nor there so as we see it falling to pieces and really really struggling we can sort of understand why they may have decided that Satan was in their town with the witches, though we know that that's not right and it's not true. Back then, it's probably how it was going to be seen. Thank you for listening to this part of the Salem Witch Trials and many blessings.